0: Mania, a video game music podcast found right here at Level Down Games, where we play some excellent tracks and talk about our experiences with each game. I'm Brian, joined as always by Long Island's favorite, or in my personal opinion, least favorite son, Frank. Hey, guys. Hey, Brian. (laughs) Before we forget, BG Mania and Level Down Games is entirely self-funded as a passion project. If you'd like to see it continue to grow and become something even bigger, consider supporting us through one or all of the affiliate links listed in the description of this podcast. It would mean the absolute world to us. You know, I could have called you Hip Frank or Chip Frank, but I didn't. You are Hip Franaka.
1: Yep, friend, I like
0: that. <laughs> uh, remember, regardless of the podcast service you're listening through, especially if you're on iTunes, leave us a rating and a review. Uh, even if you don't listen on iTunes, if you have an Apple account, hop on over to iTunes, leave us a rating and a review for not only BG Mania, but also our video game podcast every Monday called Max Level. If you don't have an iTunes account, if you don't have an Apple account, make one. Takes less than five minutes. I'd greatly appreciate it. Uh, if Frank will pay you. He'll, he'll pay you in love. I mean, he's got lots to give or I'll throw you a free steam game. I got tons of them. Oh, yeah, we have shitty steam games. Uh, we, you know, we can we can give you some shitty steam games for uh, leaving us a rating and a review. Uh, we used to do that where people <laughs> and, and and no one wanted these games. So we still have them. <laughs> oh, oh,
1: oh, oh, these, these games are that bad. I, may, I didn't say it was going to be something good.
0: <laughs> but uh, regardless, however you do it, we'd greatly appreciate some ratings and reviews on iTunes. Uh, Preferably five stars and good reviews, but uh, leave us what you feel we are worth. Obviously, do be honest to yourself if you think that we are not worth five stars. Uh, First of all... Let us know why. Let us know we can do better. I like constructive criticism. But uh, the more ratings and reviews we get, especially on iTunes, where a lot of these podcast services pull from the iTunes database to, you know, to populate your podcast feeds. The more ratings and reviews we have, the better the chance that uh, BG Mania will show up in the search results when somebody is looking for a new video game music podcast to listen to. So if you could do that, I'd greatly appreciate it. And then remember, starting on January 9th, that second episode of BG Mania in the month in the year of 2019, not the month, but the entire year. of 2019 we will be switching podcast service hosts so keep an eye on your rss feed if you do not see a new episode up of bg mania by midday january 9th that is a wednesday obviously um are the episodes normally post in the morning if you don't see it by midday on january 9th just check it make sure i didn't put up a quick file saying hey we've moved feeds and to resubscribe because that may happen if there is an issue with moving services so just keep that in mind Um, This is going to be a fun episode. I always love doing composer deep dives. Uh, Uh, I always like exploring the musical catalogs of some of our favorite composers. And uh, and the further we get into the show, it'll be some composers that are lesser known that uh, we may not know everything by. But today we happen to know everything by this gentleman because we are doing one of the most famous Nintendo composers that there ever was. Mr. Hirokazu Tanaka, who is more famously known by his alias as Hip Tanaka and more modernly known as Chip Tanaka. He was born on December 13th, 1957, over in Kyoto, Japan. Worked for Nintendo from 1980 through 1999. In 1999, he went to start working at Creatures, which is responsible for a little game called Pokemon, or should I say a little series called Pokemon. And he has been with Creatures since 1999, where he is the current president of Creatures and still does work, uh, composition work as well. Uh, the very first game he ever worked on was an arcade game known as Space Firebird, which I actually tried to find a track from, but I so couldn't. Did I. I could not did find it. a track from. Um, I could. F- I found a a video of somebody playing it, but I could not actually find a track from the game, which actually made me sad because I wanted to include his first ever game, but I could not find it. So. Uh, We kicked things off on this episode with what is perhaps one of his most famous works ever created, the bonus round from Balloon Fight. Balloon Fight released on the Nintendo Entertainment System uh, over in Japan, January 22nd, 1985. We would eventually see it here in North America in June of 1986. And it is a fitting tribute to Mr. Satoru Iwata as well, who really came in and helped finish this game and make it a, a game that is playable because the team was having a hell of a time making this game until Awada came in. Like, that's what Awada specialized in and it's like, that's what he's remembered for is just being this guy that was a genius when it came to programming. It could literally fix a broken game into something that was playable in less than a couple weeks. So, he, he was fantastic at that kind of stuff. So, anytime I hear this particular track, I always think Awada, even though, you know, Hip Tanaka compose this, my mind always goes to Toru Iwata, so I like starting out not only because it's one of Hip Tanaka's most famous pieces, but because of Mr. Iwata as well, and I love that track, that is such a fun, it's iconic, yeah, it's such a fun piece of music, Um, it really doesn't get much better than that for Hip Tanaka, like, well, as you'll see it, it, it does, but and, and the issue with some of his previous games before Balloon Fight, Balloon Fight was not the next game he worked on after, um, uh, what was that called? Space Firebird. But like Donkey Kong, Mario uh, Brothers, Popeye, Popeye, Snoopy, uh, yeah, all these wild gunmen, Duck Hunt, Hogan's Alley, Urban G- all these games, just five to six second loops per track. That's it. Yeah. And they're not fun to play. Like, I mean, I mean, they're, the, the games are fun to play, but like, in a, on a podcast where you want to hear more than just a five second loop played for thirty seconds, that doesn't make a good track. I mean, they're good tracks, but that doesn't make a fun track to talk about and listen to on a show. So, uh, we we tried to find things that were slightly longer, and uh, I think we found some good stuff, including your next pick.
1: Uh, so, my next pick comes
0: from a game that some would say
1: saved nintendo
0: oh okay i did not know that
1: this is from gyromite this is game a gyromite now i said before uh gyromite partially responsible for saving nintendo um let's not give all the credit to gyromite though let's give more credit to rob the robot which you have right i do have rob the robot um so for those who don't remember there was a video game crash in the 80s where they were just putting out so much shovelware and garbage that The market got oversaturated and people were not buying video games. So, Nintendo's clever way around this was to sell the console with Rob the Robot because parents would buy their kid the hot new robot toy for Christmas, not so much the Nintendo. And that's how they got themselves, you know, just to stay alive when everyone else, like Atari, went out of business.
0: I always thought that Rob wasn't like a major seller for them.
1: No, he was it actually, it actually
0: did well? Okay. Yeah.
1: Uh, they also they partnered with uh, Worlds of Wonder, who had the number one toy that year of Teddy Ruxpin.
0: I had a Teddy Ruxpin when I was little. Yeah.
1: yeah. And that was the number one toy of the year, and they got them into the store, so like, they, they Rob the Robot definitely, definitely saved Nintendo. And uh, we got Gyromat out of it, which, let me tell you, it sucks when you play that game with Rob the Robot.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Is it fun without Rob, though? You need two players.
1: You need one person to gotcha. control the thing, so that another one to to move the guy. But uh, with Rob, he would pick the, he would pick things up, put um put the little spitty top uh, on the thing, and then you're waiting for him to pick it back up and put another one on. It's a real pain in the ass. It's, oh,
0: so it's like very slow. Yeah.
1: Whereas a, a, a human being can just hit buttons and.
0: Yeah. 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 Now, did you get did you get Rob as a kid?
1: No. 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 Okay. Okay. Um, I got him as a Christmas present later in life. But still had the NES, so I hope that I played it. Fun stuff. Fun stuff.
0: Okay. Um, because I know, like I said, I that was that was released the year before I was born, because Rob was 1985,
1: right? Uh, I think so. I, I, I said I had Jeremiah as a kid. Oh, this is one of the many games I talk about. My sister and I played. Uh, I would actually let her play as the guy, and I would play as the one controlling the things, because then I could squish her whenever I felt like
0: it. <laughs> That's actually humorous. I uh, say I'm a jerk. I feel I feel bad for her. But uh I don't feel too bad. She would cry. Then. Yeah, so, well, he deserved it. It sounds like you deserved it. I'm sure I did. It sounds like you deserved it. Uh, let's move into uh, a block of tracks. We have two tracks from one of Hip Tanaka's more famous compositions that he ever did. And that would be Metroid from the NES. Uh, Frank and I both picked a track from Metroid. I have one and he has one. So we're going to kick it to mine first. So again, this is from Metroid on the NES, composed by Mr. Hip Tanaka. This is Brinstar theme. was brinstar theme from metroid which uh as, as i mentioned was probably one of Hitanaka's tanaka's more famous compositions that he worked on in terms of of nintendo uh this released over in japan on august 6th 1986 we would see it just over a year later here in north america august 15th 1987 Uh, This is a fantastic game, obviously. Um, Most people are familiar with the original Metroid and then Super Metroid on the SNES. And, you know, Metroid is one of Nintendo's most famous series and IPs, which is crazy that they neglected it for so long. But now we're getting Metroid Prime 4 on the Nintendo Switch, hopefully in 2019 and maybe even showing up uh, tomorrow at the Old Game Awards. That would be nice. Yeah, and and speaking of the Game Awards, if you're listening to this episode of BG Mania when it uploads on Wednesday the 5th, remember the Game Awards is tomorrow night, December 6th, and Frank and I will be doing a reaction and watch along with the Game Awards, which we will put up on our YouTube channel. That's youtube.com forward slash Down Games. If you're not subscribed there, please go do that. But uh, you can actually watch our reaction and everything that happens at the game awards so it'll be fun it'll be a lot of fun we'll have a new trailer from metro prime 4 i heard it's gonna be there so fingers crossed hopefully it will be but uh yeah absolutely love this track dude absolutely love a brinstar's theme as you mentioned weird hearing it without all the sound effects and stuff going on uh after you submitted your list and with the track we have coming up from metroid as well i knew i had to pick either brinstar or the escape theme and i chose while i do love the escape music i had to choose brinstar because i do feel like it's more iconic so But uh, your track coming up is also great. And what is that?
1: Uh, Also for Metroid, this is going to be Kraid's Hideout. Superior Metroid track is Crade's Hideout.
0: <laughs> I don't know that I would uh, say the superior track, but it is a great track nonetheless.
1: No, that's a great track. I'm just being a butthead. Yeah. Um, this one was always one of my favorites, though.
0: It's very good, and you know what? I actually just was noticing as we listened to uh, both Crade's Hideout and Brinstar theme back to back. If you didn't know that was Metroid, and you just were hearing this, what other game would you think that was? See,
1: I don't know because it's so it's so ingrained as Metroid. I have played this game. This is one. Like, this is one of like the, the, the illustrious like eight or nine games that I had. Like, when I first started. So like,
0: I feel like this sounds like it could fit in a Zelda series. Maybe, maybe, maybe. I feel like both Brinstar, Crad's Hideout, and the Escape theme feel like they e- it could easily be slotted into maybe a Zelda too. Well, that's what I mean. Like, obviously these are NES games, but. This feels like music that could have been a precursor to some of the stuff that we heard in Elling to the Past. Now, obviously, this is a precursor to some of the stuff that we heard in Super Metroid. But if you didn't know this was Metroid and you had your eyes closed and you didn't know anything about you didn't even know Metroid existed, but you knew about Zelda, I could easily see somebody thinking that this is from the Zelda series because it does sound kind of similar. And I never realized that till we listened I feel to like my
1: dad and call everything the Nintendo and everything the
0: Mario. Oh, yeah. Are you playing that new Mario on the old Xbox? Exactly. <laughs> I hurt my voice doing that. Mm, I can't talk like that.
1: So my hard. dad sounds just like me anyway. So
0: <laughs> that hurt. Um. Anyway, uh, another great pick from uh, from Metroid, from from Hip Tanaka. Like I said, I really do feel like that is probably one of his strongest soundtracks he's ever done.
1: Do you know why he's called Hip Tanaka? A little liner note for
0: this episode. I actually do, but I don't remember. So feel free to remind me.
1: So it comes from hip hop because he's a bit of a hip hop fan. Um, His favorite group being a tribe
0: called Quest. Is that a real band? Well, I don't. I I don't want to say band. Is that a real? Because it's uh, a real group. Hip hop artists aren't bands, but um, are they? Is that a real group? It's a real group. Yes. Have you? Are you familiar with them? Do you like them?
1: I, I am, yes. Actually, uh, I've heard them quite a bit. They, they, they're like 80, like early to late 80s.
0: Do they hip hop a hibbit to the hip, hip hobbit? You don't stop. That is not a trifle question. I know it's not. Um, but that's like the only 80s hip hop group that I know. <laughs> oh, Brian, you are so white. Who was that? I don't even, remember. I don't even know who that was, actually. you probably that was Sugar Hill Gang. Thank yes. you. Thank you. I was going to say, you probably do know. Um... You have another track coming up though. We put these in order of release year, so you have two back-to-back tracks here. From
1: my second favorite game in the series, which is actually the initial, this is game one in the series. This is Kitakris, the Underworld theme. That was the Underworld theme from Kid Icarus. Uh, I, I always say it a thousand times over, I'm more of a fan of Kid Icarus on the Game Boy, but uh, this one right here, this track, is easily, in my opinion, the best thing he's ever done.
0: It is a strong track, but I don't know that I would go so far as to say that it was the best thing he's ever done. I agree with you that it is a crowning achievement, though. This is a fantastic piece of music right here.
1: I mean, if he's known for anything, it's going to be this song, in my opinion. OK, although although he has lots and lots and lots of very strong tracks out there. So it's, it's a bold
0: statement for me to make. It, it's definitely a bold statement considering, obviously, the lineup of games, not only that we have coming up in the rest of the show, but games in general that we didn't even pick from. True. There's definitely more well-known tracks out there that he's composed other than this one. There's one th- for sure this man
1: is personally responsible for two or three of the songs that are constantly stuck in my head. Uh, and they could, and those are ones that could rattle around, around for days. Um, and we'll talk about that later on because are we going to hear,
0: actually, are we going to hear all three of them in this episode?
1: Uh, I've picked one of them okay, and I'll go over the other ones and I'll explain it. Yeah, I don't
0: want to give anything away
1: yet, but sure.
0: one of them I absolutely 10,000% picked. Sure. Okay. Awesome. Um, I'm going to kick it over to a game that never released here in North America. It only released in Japan, but it's the first game in the Wars series that Nintendo started, and this started back on the Nintendo Entertainment System. So from Famicom Wars, this is Mission BGM Type A. Mission BGM Type A from Famicom Wars, which released exclusively over in Japan on the Famicom Entertainment System or whatever it was called there, fam- Family Computer over in Japan, uh, August 12th, 1988. Obviously composed by Hirokazu Tanaka, Hip Tanaka, the guy we're doing the entire episode on today. Uh, Frank just found out that this is the first game in the Wars series which basically took its name from the console that it released on and then Wars. So 1988 had Famicom Wars. 1999 had, or I'm sorry, 1991 had Game Boy Wars. Uh, 1997 had Game Boy Wars Turbo. 1998, which was a late release, but 1998 saw Super Famicom Wars. Uh, 1998 also saw Game Boy Wars 2. 2001 had Game Boy Wars 3 on the Game Boy Color and then in 2001 also saw Advance Wars, Advance Wars 2 was in 2003, and then the name kinda stuck because they released Advance Wars Dual Strike in 2005 on the Nintendo DS, but then it became Battalion Wars, which released in 2005 on the GameCube, Battalion Wars 2 was on the Wii, And then they went back. The most recent one was in 2008, Advance Wars, Days of Ruin (laughs) on the DS. (laughs) It's a much better name. (laughs) Yeah. And they went back to that after Battalion Wars. And uh, it's been it's been ten years since uh, Advance Wars.
1: I originally thought it was Advance Wars because there were tanks advancing. But part of it was like, hey, maybe it's called that because it's on the Game Boy Advance." I had no idea it was a whole series.
0: Yeah. Yeah. A a series spanning multiple games. Uh, I didn't realize how many there were until I looked into it. Uh, There's 12 games in the series. But it has been over a decade now since we've seen the latest release in the War series and people are clamoring for a new Advance Wars. They really are like people definitely want another game because the Days of Ruin released January 21st, 2008. So it's literally almost been 11 years Um, and I don't know that we'll ever see another one. It just doesn't seem like they're that interested in going back and doing something like this again, which is unfortunate because these were good games. These were fun games. Yeah. That's a great piece of music there as well. Fantastic no, it track.
1: Was, it was great music. And like I was telling Brian, I go, this would fit in either Kid or Metroid, which makes sense. we're in we're in Mr. Uh, wheelhouse here. So,
0: yeah. And not only that, but I mean, literally composed right around the same time as both of those games. So clearly, you know, you, you could tell the style he was using back in like the late 80s when when these games were being composed. And you know what next week is, Brian? Next week. Yeah. Uh Next week is Snowy Levels.
1: No, more well, importantly, next week is his birthday. Oh, OK. <laughs> But yes, it is Snowy Levels, and I have some awesome tracks to go out.
0: are gonna love them. I, th- I thought you were asking, like, what next week was. I thought you were going to try to, like, make a segue somehow, but I didn't know how you were going to do that.
1: I'm throwing out a liner note here. So uh, when uh, Hip Tanaka was nine years old, Okay. he was watching the TV show featuring the monkeys. Hey, hey, we're the monkeys. People say we monkey around.
0: Like the, uh, like the rip-off of The Beatles? That- yes, exactly. Okay, okay, okay.
1: Uh, and that inspired him to set up a band with his school friends, and they did cover songs by The Beatles. Bert Baccarat and Simon and Garfunkel.
0: OK, yeah, he's definitely very musically inclined. Like he he's very kind of like us, where he was always listening to music when he was growing up and um, definitely was very much list, like just wanted to be in a band. Didn't know that he wanted to be a composer for video games at the time, but just knew he wanted to do something with music. And I'm just I'm honestly really thankful and glad that he chose to eventually pursue the career of a video game composer. Because I don't think that some of these games would have been the same and nor do I think video game music would have evolved as it did had had he not had a part in the chiptunes that he did just because of how influential he was and still is to a lot of people that does do like modern chiptune music. Just how great he of an inspiration he is to a lot of people. So I think video game music would be drastically different. So I'm thankful for that. Um, But I have another game that came out right around the same time as well on the Game Boy. That sounds Significantly different than Metroid, Kid Icarus, and Famicom Wars. From Super Mario Land, this is the overworld theme. Mario Land released on the original Game Boy April 21st, 1989 in Japan. We would see it August 1st, 1989 here in North America. So same year. Uh, a game we've not played a single track from yet in the history of BG Mania, which is kind of crazy because I do know that uh, you are a big fan of Super Mario Land. So I'm surprised that hasn't came up. I am. Yeah,
1: it's... I think it was like the second or third game I got for the Game Boy. The first one, of course, being Tetris because it was packed in.
0: Yeah. Did you know I've never played this game? Really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Still to this day? Still to this day. Never played it.
1: You know what, Brian? It's gonna feel a little dated, I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. Um, but you should just do it just for the fact that you know, it's a Mario game that you haven't played and
0: just uh, The actual cartridge um works in the DS, right? Do those do those work or do well, I have to would I have to use a Game Boy Advance? I think you still can get away with putting Game Boy games in those OK, I'll have to double check because I know I can get a co- I can find a copy of this. It's pretty I mean, you probably have one, but uh, I I can probably easily find a copy of this in a, uh, in which a store I'll,
1: I'll get my super Game Boy and then you be good to go.
0: Yeah. But yeah, I've never played this. Um, there's several games on the Game Boy that I've never played just because I never had access to an original Game Boy. My first Game Boy was the Game Boy Advance SP. <laughs> really? Yeah. Which I still have. I had the like the indigo one or like the dark blue whatever it was.
1: Uh, that was, that was actually sapphire. That one was it sapphire? I don't remember. They they they, they, have, they named them the Pokemon way because I also have uh, I have both of them. I have the, the blue and the uh, the red.
0: Oh okay. Yeah, my aunt actually like I decided I wanted a, a Game Boy Advance SP one year for Christmas and she picked it up for me on sale from like a Black Friday sale. So I got that and I got like five or six games. That was the same year because uh, I actually got Mario and Luigi, the original Mario and Luigi. At the same time I got my Game Boy Advance SP. Um, but yeah, several games that I skipped out on. That's actually my favorite of the Game Boy series. Mario and Luigi or No, it was the it SP. Was PSP. I agree with you. I think the SP to an extent the original Game Boy Advance as well, but the reason I liked the SP is because it already had the the backlight built into it and it was just more a compact and sleeker Hold system. All that right to your pocket. Exactly. Super small, super easy. Really enjoyed it. Uh kind of wish they would have stuck with that and but I do get why they moved to the DS after that. And you you have to look at the sales of the DS and realize how much of a juggernaut that handheld actually was when it was released. Um, But no, I I really enjoyed my my SP. And uh, but yeah, there were several games that I missed out on from the original Game Boy lineup, the color lineup, and then a couple of the advanced games as well. Um, What was the the Mario Kart on the Game Boy Advance? Never played that either. So Uh, Mario Kart Super Circuit. That's it. Yep. There are several games that I've not played um, because I didn't really get into handheld gaming until I was in high school with the Game Boy Advance SP. So But uh, this is a very fun track from Mr. Hip Tanaka, Uh, very festive, very, like I said, just joyful and fun. Definitely sounds a lot different from what we heard from Metroid, Kid Icarus and Famicom Wars. But this is so Mario. This fits perfectly in the Mario universe. This is perfect for Mario.
1: It is. This is one of the songs I actually heard playing when I went to the Nintendo store in New York City. Nice. Uh, I, was, I was upstairs and they had Mario music playing. I was like, all right. All right. let like them go for the deep cuts now.
0: Nice, 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 nice. Uh, okay. Well, what's next?
1: All right. So this game is responsible for a song that always kicks around in my head, but we've already played that song. This is the less popular cousin, but still an awesome track. This is B-Type from Tetris. Tetris, um, a type from Tetris, is always stuck in my head. Whenever I have to do anything like moving or organizing,
0: <laughs> you just, I, dude, I could just like picture you reorganizing like your living room with with Tetris jamming in the background as you try to like maneuver things around. <laughs>
1: it, was, it was only a few days ago I told you I was redoing the uh, the shelves in my, uh, in my yeah. living room. Sure enough, this song here though. <laughs> I heard a lot of this one because uh, when you clear B mode, B mode is when there is actual blocks already there, and you have to actually clear the lines. You know, if you cleared it at the top, you know, difficulty, top speed, you would get like you know, the full ending with all the the, the the Russian characters dancing in front of the Kremlin, playing their music, and uh, the the rockets going off. It was good stuff.
0: I I love how Russian this game actually was.
1: Ah, uh, man! I, I don't know if we ever told this story before, but Nintendo actually once bought the rights to Tetris. Yeah. However, they bought them somebody who had no right to sell them. Right. <laughs> he just sold it to them and, and they're like, okay, uh, great game. But this game is officially, because it's a communist country, It was, it's actually owned by Russia. Like, the creator doesn't own the rights to the
0: game. It's owned by Russia. Now that I didn't know. That's actually interesting.
1: Uh, So they licensed it out. That's why there's Tengen and Tetris, why Nintendo wasn't able to shut them down. I mean, you know, Tengen also did other things like make carts unofficially for Nintendo. But uh, yeah, it's the reason why
0: there could be two Tetrises, you know, even though they have the rights to it. Does Russia own any other video game IPs besides Tetris? That is something we have to find out. That
1: is the extent of my Russian video gaming knowledge.
0: (laughs) That is something that is something we need to find out.
1: There's that, and there's a Nico, my cousin from uh, Grand Theft Auto. Um,
0: Wait, he's your cousin?
1: That's a line. I
0: know, I know. Grand Theft Auto 4. Although I do have a cousin Nico, that's neither here nor there. Or is it neither there nor here? The world may never know. They may never know, just like how many licks it takes to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop. But what the world will know is our next track, because we're about to jump into Another famous franchise that Mr. Hip Tanaka worked on. And we're going to go to the original game first from Mother. This is Mother Earth. Mother Earth from Mother, which originally released over in Japan on the Famicom July 27th, 1989. And we would not see it here in North America until it was released as Earthbound Beginnings on the Wii U eShop June 14th, 2015. I was going to say, we didn't get this until really
1: late. Ain't that about a B? Yeah,
0: and because the game also was released on the Game Boy Advance, but again, it was exclusive to Japan. That was June 20th, 2003. So, yeah, Mother and Mother 3, obviously, were the two games that, you know, we have been trying to get forever here in North America, but for whatever reason, and it's so dumb that these games weren't released here in North America because then you look at EarthBound. Have we gotten Mother 3 yet or no? No, we have not. We have not. But when you look at EarthBound, which literally released in North America less than a year after it came out in Japan. How beloved that game is on the Super Nintendo and how much it sold on the Super Nintendo. And then you look and you wonder why they didn't take the chance with both Mother on the NES and Mother 3, which Mother 3 was originally released in 2006 over in Japan on the Game Boy Advance. So after, after Earthbound released in 1990, whatever it was, 1994? Yeah, 1994 over in Japan, the next game in the series wouldn't be till 12 years later with Mother 3 in 2006 on the Game Boy Advance. But even still, stupid that we didn't get that game. I don't get it, man. I just don't get why, because these games sell so well here in North America. Now, obviously, there are plenty of rumors out there that a English version is 100% done and ready to go for the Nintendo Switch. They just have yet to release it. They're trying to find the right time. Uh, the right time is anytime. It doesn't matter. The
1: right time was uh, twelve
0: years ago. Exactly. Well, yes, yes, I agree with you. But nowadays, the right time is whenever, because whenever they put this game out, it's going to be one of the best-selling things on the Nintendo Switch of that year. I promise you that. Like this, this series is that beloved that it's crazy that they never took two more, uh, many more chances on that. Uh, quick little fun fact here on Hip Tanaka mm-hmm. before you jump to our next track. How would you feel? If you walked into a dance club in Japan and you literally found out that a person by the name of Chip Tanaka was DJing that night. I'm like, hey, how dare you say Tanaka's name? Well, Chip Tanaka, otherwise obviously being the man himself, Mr. Hiokaza Tanaka occasionally guest DJs at certain nightclubs in Japan. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, it's super cool. <laughs> Can
1: you imagine that? I'm just walking in and he's just there. Yeah. I'm like, yo. Play, play me that song from Kid Icarus. <laughs> Underworld, you know Underworld theme. <laughs> just
0: like yeah. Underworld.
1: I'm like, no, Reapers.
0: Yeah, no. He occasionally will perform on the uh, the Japanese nightclub circuit under the name Chip Tanaka. How
1: cool is that? Yeah, super cool. <laughs> I like that. I did not know that. Okay. Yeah,
0: yeah. I I would love, absolutely love to see him do that live one day. Like, just go in and actually see one of his sets. I think that'd be really cool. Really, really cool. And maybe he would play the next song that you're about to play for us.
1: And then it'd be stuck in my head for the rest of my life. Because, uh, yes, this is one of the illustrious three that's always stuck in my head. From Dr. Mario, this is Fever. fever from Doctor Mario?
0: How do you cure a fever?
1: What cowbell? Exactly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the song again is always stuck on my head, and in typical dork geek fashion, everyone uh, "Anytime I take medicine, it always just kind of harkens to my head, and I start, you know, I, I start drinking it down, and or taking those pills, the delicious, delicious pills."
0: I would hate to live inside your head.
1: I don't like living inside my head. Ryan. <laughs> Uh, but I mentioned, but I mentioned three songs. Are <laughs> stuck in my head? The other one, um, Mr. Snakka does not own credit to. That is the Dragonborn comes. So.
0: Oh, okay, that yeah, you actually have that stuck in your head all the time, really?
1: At all times, because it's my personal anthem. No, it's not. Uh, yeah, uh, it's gonna be played at my funeral, Brian.
0: No, it's not. Scat Scat Man's gonna be played at your funeral. <laughs> <laughs> such a good song, man. It's such a good song.
1: Uh, on a side note, uh, that song is sung almost every day at work. Uh, I have a crazy uh, person at work who I work with. His name is Matt. that Matt, if you're listening, uh, not, not not the Matt you know, different Matt. Uh, and he sings a, He sings that song among amongst other songs all the time. He says it's our official section song.
0: Can I, when we play it at your funeral, can I change the lyrics to "Fat Man" at least?
1: Brian, I'm a fat man. Brian, this is an audio podcast. Okay? I know, I know. We're fat shaming me. I
0: know, I know. Uh, <laughs> anyway, let's move on to a another piece of music from a game that originally never released here in North America and, and still hasn't. From the original Fire Emblem on the NES, which was subtitled Fire Emblem. Shadow Dragon and the Blade of Light was the English is a hell of a title. English translated name. Uh, Yeah, I don't actually have the the Japanese name of this game, but uh, probably a lot harder to pronounce. Um, But yeah, this game never saw release here in North America. Still hasn't to this day. So from Fire Emblem, this is the title theme. was the title theme from fire emblem shadow dragon and the blade of light which released on the famicom over in japan april 20th 1990 would never see release outside of japan in both europe and north america this game has been a landlocked to the japanese island since 1990 uh so 28 years i, I will never see I don't think so. I don't actually don't think we will ever see this. I don't. But uh, I know that's what you're going to say. Um, I would love to play this game. I would love to play like where Fire Emblem got it start, man. I really would. I am not a Fire Emblem guy. Yeah, I know you're not. But I am. But I will say I'm not a... Every game in the series, I'm not a huge fan of. I don't like every game in Fire Emblem. But there are certain games that I really, really, really enjoy. With uh, Radiant Dawn on the GameCube being one of them. I actually think that's a fan-freaking-tastic game. Um... But this was so. Development on Fire Emblem started back in 1987. It was conceived by designer and writer Shozo Kaga. He wanted to combine the strategic elements of Famicom Wars, a game that we heard a little bit earlier in the episode, with the characters and a story that had like a deep narrative, like a role-playing game. So this actually got its start out of the Famicom Wars slash Wars series in general, which is interesting to know. Yeah. So uh, this is basically like, like I said, they, they took this and it's not a spin off title because it's not part of the main series. But had Famicom Wars never existed, Fire Emblem probably would have never existed either. But kind of funny to think about there. Well, that's um, pretty- yeah. But this actually so they said that initial sales and critical reception over in Japan were lackluster, but Fire Emblem eventually took off for whatever reason and became a worldwide phenomenon and one of Nintendo's best selling IPs to date, which is. I mean, it's that's should, pretty would, incredible should
1: explain why we get like 45 Fire Emblem characters in every version of Smash Brothers.
0: Yeah, yeah, there are a lot of uh, a lot of Fire Emblem characters in Smash Brothers, but I will say. They're all strong characters that end up in Smash. Like, they're all very popular characters, especially over in Japan. Very popular characters. So, uh, fun piece of music, though. I like hearing the the NES take on the Fire Emblem music because I had, you know, I, I personally never heard it. Because I never played any of the NES or early Fire Emblem games because they were all exclusive to Japan. So, kind of interesting to think about. But I, I like hearing that music and hip Tanaka's take on the traditional Fire Emblem theme. So, that's kind of cool.
1: I have something fun for you, something something hip did that is very close near and dear to my heart. Do you? Yeah, I do. You're going to like this. From Mario Paint, on the Super Nintendo Entertainment System, a medley of the three pre-made songs. We'll call these Maker's Songs 1 through 3. Three jams were from Mario Paint. Those are the pre-made maker songs one through three.
0: Yeah, that last one there is the, the definitely the best one. Yeah, I it's so great. Doot do do roof a
1: bit. Meow. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, the girl the girl that the girl that's having some pleasure. Oh boy. Oh, oh boy. My. Oh boy indeed, Mr. Tanaka, what were you doing? He actually thought he was Axl Rose recording Rocket Queen is what he thought, but That would be cool. You know the story behind that song, right? It has nothing to
1: do with Mario Paint, did
0: it? It has nothing to do with Mario Paint, but Axel was, like, banging the uh, the g- the girlfriend of the drummer, Matt oh, Swarm, at oh, the time.
1: Yeah. Oh, you're still talking about the, the, the sound effect. Okay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and literally, they, they did that while they were recording Rocket Queen, and, like, the noise you actually hear is them actually having sex, and it's crazy. Crazy. I like telling that story, though, because it's funny. This is a family show, Brian. Great band. Love, love Guns N' Roses. What a good band. Not the best morals, though.
1: <laughs> no, not, not, not the best morals. Uh, but, uh, praise Slash. Um, yeah, so I play the Hobnest mode. In fact, I tell Brian all the time I keep finding great tracks uh, that people make modern day using the, the Mario Paint uh, system.
0: I love that they still do it.
1: You know, the they, remakes of all the popular songs, and pretty much any good song you could think of, someone's done. Um... The, one of my favorites is actually you know, U2's One. I don't know how they pulled it off. I'm not even really a big fan of U2, but it came out really, really good. One by Metallica is good. Um, just, just look it up. But uh, these these three are his babies. Uh, the first song, uh, I don't want to really give him composer credit for it. Do, do,
0: do you think you can hip hop the hibbit to hip hip hop you don't stop in Mario Paint? Or can we do Rocket Queen in Mario Paint? You know, back to Guns N' Roses. You know what, Brian? Here I'm I doing- am. Oh. Yo rocket queen. Um, I may be a little young, but honey, I ain't naive.
1: I was unable to find this song done, but uh, if, if, you're out th- if, if you're out there, if you're a, a maker of these songs, make this happen for
0: Brian. Make it happen for me. Just like Georgia is making their dreams come to life in this game. Uh, I, we, we are recording, but, but no, no one watches college football. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. We are recording this live, uh, while Alabama and Georgia are playing and my God, they are just doing so well. Another interception on Georgia's behalf. So Jesus, this name is good. Uh, I guess we'll move on now. We'll move on to my next pick, which we're going back to the mother series and we're going to the second game of the franchise now. So we're going to earthbound. This track is snowman. Snowman from Earthbound, which released in Japan August 27th, 1994. We would see that in North America, June 5th, 1995, as I discussed earlier, when we listened to the track from Mother One, uh, not to be confused with Mother Russia, like Tetris. But uh, I really do feel... What? Da, comrade, da. <laughs> I really do feel like this is the best version of Snowman, because this track persists in... I, I wanna say it's in Mother th- 3. I I don't know. I've never listened to the soundtrack to, to Mother Three, but I do know it's in Mother. So between Mother and Earthbound, I feel like this is the better version of this track. And it kinda gives a little segue into what we're doing next week with Snowy I should Levels. Say that. <laughs> yeah, kinda gives a little segue for that. Because it fits perfectly. We have a holiday bonus episode coming up later this month. We have a lot of festive tunes planned for the month of December, but not all festive tunes like we did for October. Um, but yeah, kind of a little bit of a segue there to uh, to next week, which will be fun. And this game is great. We need Mother you know what else Just to make week? it happen. Uh, Hip Tanaka's birthday. There you <laughs> <go>. <laughs> December 13th, if I'm remembering correctly.
1: See, you listen sometimes.
0: Yes. Always. Sometimes. Always.
1: All right. So for my next cheesy track... I'm going to go to what was, up until this point, the definitive Smash Brothers.
0: You think so? Over Melee.
1: No, I'm just kidding. Okay. Uh, (laughs) From Super Smash Brothers Brawl, this is Squeak Squad Game. Was the Squeak Squad team from Super Smash Brothers Brawl. Uh, I think he only did two songs for this one and I believe I picked them
0: both. <laughs> yeah, from what, from what I understand, he only did two tracks for Brawl and he's doing two tracks for the upcoming, um, Ultimate.
1: Well, I think everybody and their mother is actually, uh, doing that one. See I guess, see, I said mother? So I kind of worked that one in there.
0: Yeah, but not only that, there's 900 tracks in Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, so literally every single person that's ever composed for a video game probably is doing a track in, uh, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, I, I, I've i seen, dude, literally, when we do our Smash Brothers episode, I've seen Yoko Shimomura, I've seen Nobuo Yumatsu, I've seen Yuzo Koshiro, I've seen Hip Tanaka, I've seen uh, Yasunori Mitsuda, I literally have seen every single person that's ever touched video game compositions in Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Which is a great thing. It's a fantastic thing.
1: Um, But like I said, I picked two from Smash Brothers Brawl.
0: Yeah, we might as well listen to the next one before we talk about the game in general. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I figure let's let's do that and then we'll talk about Smash Bros for a bit. This one is Donkey Kong 75 meters.
2: Thank you.
1: That Was Donkey Kong 75M from Super Smash Bros. Brawl? So, yeah, uh, I like Brawl, I think Brawl is a good game. Brawl was okay, melee is me- me- melees, melees my favorite,
0: yeah, it wasn't as strong as melee was,
1: but I'm so hyped for what's coming next, man, because it's going to be the best of all the worlds. I the hope worlds so, combined, I hope so, or it's going to be the biggest disappointment. But, uh, I, I can't see that. I- I've-, I've seen some like footage already, I know I'm gonna love this game.
0: Yeah, I don't think it's possible that this game ends up being terrible. Uh, but but as you mentioned, we and we did talk about this recently on the Maxwell podcast. If you go back and listen to this, ep- this Monday's past episode, uh, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate leaked two full weeks ahead of its release. Uh, someone managed to grab a copy of it, and I believe they ripped it and put it up like as an ISO for download if you have your Switch hacked or something. So you were able to download a full copy of Super Smash Brothers Ultimate several weeks before it came out, which is very unfortunate for Nintendo. And, uh, you know, I, I hate to see them lose sales or hate to see anyone abusing the system. I, I mean, pirating games is always, you know, uh, one of the worst things you can do, really, in terms of wanting to support the industry that you like. Like, if you like playing games and you want to see these games, why would you not fund them? Why would you not want to you purchase them? You would download a car, would you? <laughs> or are we going back to like the 90s, like theft, uh. <laughs> VHSs. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, oh no, that was like in the in like the uh, Napster era,
1: exactly. Yeah, like the like
0: the late '90s, early 2000s of LimeWire and Napster. Um, but when the actual game leaked, obviously because the game has all 900 tracks in it, the full soundtrack also leaked for Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. And I wanted to close out the episode. With a pick from Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. But I didn't want to choose something that was leaked. Because I didn't want to go against Nintendo's wishes and play something that hasn't been officially released. But luckily for us and for you, because you get to hear this great piece of music, one of the tracks from Super Smash Brothers Ultimate that has been officially released on their website happens to be one of the two that Mr. Hip Tanaka had a hand in composing for Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. So he he is working on one of the like F-Zero Captain Falcon remixes for this game. But the other one that he's doing is for the Splatoon 2 stage called Seascape. So we're going to close out the episode playing the Seascape track from Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Oh, we're going to close out with a hip Tanaka track. That's cool. Yeah, we're going to close out with a hip Tanaka track. And uh, I don't know if you know this. Every <laughs> track we played today is actually composed by hip Tanaka. Get out of here. Yeah. I don't know if you knew that. I, I know you're slow sometimes, but uh, it's OK. Brian, be nice to me. I am. I'm being nice to you. Sure. I just I, I, I didn't call you fat.
1: You should sure did earlier. Well, Never mind you, do a I remind you. podcast. Know. I know. I know.
0: Uh, but it is crazy. I mean, you know, going like the, the transition from bonus round and balloon fight, which we started the episode off with all the way up through these last three tracks from Super Smash Brothers, uh, the Smash Brothers franchise, the two from Brawl, one from Ultimate, just hearing his transition from like NES to Super Nintendo. Uh, wow. All we really played was NES, Super Nintendo and, uh, modern like Wii U and or Wii and Switch. Well, I guess then just like that, the episode is also finished unless you have anything else you want to discuss before we get on out of here.
1: Just make sure you join us next week. We're having snowy levels and I picked you out some doozies.
0: Yeah, it's going to be a fun episode.
1: But hey, if you, if you have a good story level, just send us a request. Uh, it's bgmania at leveldowngames.com. We'd love to have requests. And if it fits the, the, the scheme, I'll take one of uh, Brian's tracks away from him and
0: play yours. Absolutely. Yeah, we, can, we can easily delete one of Frank's picks and put one of your tracks in. So we can definitely do that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, that is going to do it for this week. We want to thank you for sticking with us and listening to another episode of BG Mania made possible by leveldowngames.com. Remember to submit tracks, ideas, and requests like Frank just mentioned for future episodes to BG Mania at leveldowngames.com. Regardless of the podcast service you're listening through, be sure to show your support by leaving a rating and a review, especially if I you're stars. listening through iTunes. We definitely need those ratings and reviews on iTunes. We'd also be grateful if you could drop on over to youtube.com forward slash games and subscribe to our channel there if you haven't already. And head on over to twitch.tv forward slash games for all the live streams and event coverage. And Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook if you want to follow us across social media. Check that description box for the appropriate links. As Frank mentioned, next week, we are definitely doing snowy levels. There will be eight picks a piece, eight from me, eight from Frank, and we will be focusing on areas within video games that are either snowy, icy or both. So we'll we'll definitely have some uh, some some fun tunes there. Uh, so we actually have played several snowy and ice themed areas already in previous episodes of BG mania. So it's unfortunate that like some of the more iconic ones like cool, cool Mountain from Super Mario 64 we've already done. And our rule is we never play the same track unless it's like a bonus episode or like a anniversary type episode. So um, we won't be doing anything like that. But. I think we did both find eight fantastic tracks apiece that will make a a very fun episode to listen to next week. So tune in for that again. We'll be doing snowy levels. Taking us out of this episode once again, we have Seascape from Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, which was composed, as every track was on this episode, by Mr. Hirokazu Hip Tanaka. Because we did a deep dive. This was a a deep dive into the career of of the man himself. Again, uh, Hirokazu Tanaka. One of the greatest chiptune composers that has ever been. Uh our next deep dive will be in March. So keep an eye out for that. Right? March? No. Yeah, March. February. It's no no no, it's March. Oh, that's right. You're right, you're right, you're it's right. It's March. I, I, yeah. It yeah, our 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 next our next deep dive will be in March. It'll be the first week of March. So keep an eye out for that. Keep the music playing and keep it loud.